Hey everyone, John Clark, licensed therapist and business coach at privatepracticeworkshop.com. I'm excited to be back for another podcast uh, episode with you today. We're also live on uh, YouTube. Uh, I'm going to introduce my guest in one second, but before I forget, I have to tell you some exciting news, which is that we are about to open the doors again to Business Made Human. It's my weekly mastermind group that uh, helps you create a vision and a plan for your business and life and then execute on that vision with the support of uh, for, for me and a community of like-minded individuals, that group runs for six months. Um, you also get unlimited access <clears throat> to my coaching and our weekly office hours. And um, it's, a, it's a great program that I'm really, really proud of. So if you're interested in that program, we have a group for solo owners. We have a group for group practice owners. You just got to go to privatepracticeworkshop.com, click on uh, apply for Business Made Human to get on the interest list, and then um, you'll hear soon the next steps for booking an application call with me. So um, keep an eye out for that. Excited to introduce my guest for today. Um, this is her second time on the podcast. Third time is a charm. So we now we have to make that happen. Yeah, we'll uh, do it. <laughs> Danielle Hayden is a, a reformed corporate CFO who's on a mission to help rule-breaking female entrepreneurs understand their numbers so they can gain the confidence needed to create sustainable profits. After spending 10 years, 10 plus years in the boardroom as a corporate finance officer, Danielle's now in her sweet spot as the CEO of Kickstart Accounting, where she helps business owners with bookkeeping, financial analysis, and education, and as the author of the Profit Planner book series. When Danielle isn't in her money mindset, you can find her hiking or spending time with her family. Danielle, thanks for being here. And um, yeah, what's new since I saw you last? It's been quite a number of months, but I'm really glad you're here again. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. Um, you know, just uh, riding the entre <laughs> entrepreneurship uh, yeah. roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because you're both helping, you know, entrepreneurs with their business and you're building one yeah. of your own. So exactly. parallel process. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I speak, especially on, on podcasts like this, uh, really speaking from experience of what I'm going through, uh, but also what I've seen in trends with all of our clients and everything that they've been going through. So nice. uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, that's great. I mean, having insight into people's numbers and into their problems in business, uh, is, it's it's really interesting because the more you help people, the more you learn about how to help people. You know, there's that effect as well. And seeing, kind of peeling behind the curtains. You know, um, we're going to talk a lot about finance today. Today in our mastermind group, um, we were talking about financial literacy, and I was just going through, you know, one by one basic financial terms, right? Asset, liability, cash flow, liquidity, things like that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of I guess smoke and mirrors in terms of, in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, I see plenty of group practice owners who you know are bragging about uh, you know half a million dollar practice, but then you look at their net profit and it's like twenty grand or whatever it might. Or be. they're losing so, money. Or they're losing money. <laughs> right. It's negative twenty or negative yeah. one hundred and fifty. And uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to dive in more to this today. Um, we have some kind of jumping off points. And then as always, if you're here live, go ahead and ask your questions in the chat and um, we'll, we'll answer them um, once they're, when they feel kind of relevant to the conversation. The first one is um, we're going to talk about financial numbers that every business owner should know and attract. So let's, let's start there. What are your thoughts on that one, Danielle? So I think there's so many different 
uh, key performance indicators, and we can really get into the weeds with, with this. And so um, I've really been asking our clients to pull back and get back to basics because um, I can't remember the Tony Robbins quote, but we can get really distracted by trying to get really fancy with what we're looking at. And if we could just go back to the basics, there's a lot of gold and a lot of wisdom there. Um, I was recently reading a book and they were talking about Kobe Bryant and um, how much time he would spend practicing um, every morning. And it wasn't on all of the crazy plays and it was the basics, right? It was the basic footwork. And so I want to bring that to entrepreneurs to encourage us to get back to basics. So a few numbers that I like to talk about is um, gross profit. So uh, I I think for um, private practice uh, clients that we work with, we encourage um, to set up the income statement using our strategic framework. And that means that we are taking sales minus direct labor. So uh, anybody that you're paying to actually serve your clients, uh, and that will bring you to your gross profit. Yeah. Have you, have you? Do you talk a lot about gross profit? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is we talk about it less because I think in learning it from a, you know, if you're reading it in a textbook, a lot of the explanation is when you're creating a physical product, Right. And it's kind of like, how much did it cost the business to procure this item, this iPhone? Right. And then you're looking at gross profit. It doesn't mean you're going to make, you know, whatever's, whatever's left over, but it's kind of like the cost that you incurred to, uh, uh, um, incurred, sorry, to, um, to create the thing that you're about to sell. Right. Which in our case is a therapy hour, you could say, right. or, you know, it's a, it's a service we're selling. It's different. Yeah. And if your income statement isn't set up that way, you can still do this number in an Excel Mm -hmm. spreadsheet, right? Uh, Just taking your monthly revenue and then accumulating your direct labor cost for that month. Uh, And then, you know, just doing a simple calculation of revenue minus direct labor so that you have that gross profit number. And this is something that I recommend every single one of our clients track on a monthly basis Mm. so that you're watching the trends. And Numbers don't have to mean you're passing or failing. So I am always reluctant to say, this is the number that you should be at. Yeah, everyone wants that. I know. Uh, <laughs> I want you at a minimum of, of over 30%. Um, so you shouldn't be paying more than 30%. However, um, there's no magic number, right? You're, yeah. you, you could have a lifestyle business where you are actually not bringing in any of the revenue for your business. Yeah. Uh, well, therefore you're paying more in, in labor hours. Um, or yeah. you can be doing more of the revenue share at the moment. Doesn't mean that's going to be forever, but that's the season that you're in. So by watching this trend, we can analyze that and then, um, and then talk about it, right? And figure out, does this align with what our business is and with the season that we're in today? I love that because a lot of people skip over this part of a plan for your money and a plan for how much is enough and where is this heading? Um, You know, a a lot of times it's like, the the only plan is just more. I wanna make more. And uh, that's that's just a starting point. Um, I also like that you mentioned the lifestyle piece. A, a lot of our group practice owners, you know, they got what got them to the dance was seeing individual clients. And a solo practice is pretty clean and simple, or it should be, right? Yeah. You know, you have an office, maybe you might not have an office, you might just have a laptop and a, a software to manage your practice. And then from there, you know, you're charging 200 bucks a session. Um, 
I don't know, 10 sessions a week, that's your business, right? It's pretty clean and simple. But then you start adding people. And as a group practice center, let's say you got five, six, seven clinicians, you're spending more time running the practice and less time seeing clients. Or you say, I want to re remove my caseload altogether, right? Then how do I do that? How do I replace my income? That's a goal that a lot of our group practice owners have. Yeah, and it's important. And you can see this metric over time if you're watching it month over month to see, you know, sometimes uh, um, watching these numbers can validate our goals, right? This was my goal. My goal was to remove myself and I'm going to pay people more money to, to help support this business. And then you can watch that actually come into fruition by monitoring this number. Um, the next number that I like for our clients to monitor on a monthly basis, and this one I'm sure we've all heard before, but I don't think that we're tracking it month over month, is our net profit or loss. Mm -hmm. And you can also do this as a percentage of, of sales so that you're watching the trends. Now, there's always going to be seasonality. Some of us have annual payments for subscriptions or software, maybe a large insurance payment. Um, maybe you're bonusing out your team this this quarter, whatever it might be. So notice noting that there's going to be fluctuations in that yeah. profit and loss and that percentage, but watching it uh, month over month and then year to date to understand how profitable your business is. That's great. I mean, it's kind of like, well, I have parallels because for the first time in my life, I just started working with like a, a fitness coach or like a wellness coach. Mm -hmm. And part of where we start is my goals, but also what is my baseline in terms of, you know, fitness, weight, um, what you're eating, all that stuff. That's the starting point. And I think you can take a similar approach with your numbers, or let's say you go into a group practice and you want to kind of diagnose where they're at financially and they want to know what percentages should I be at? You know, I think we can look at some industry metrics for that, but part of it is where are you at now? And then, business you know all this is can be oversimplified to um a business is a business because it's it keeps more money than it generates right mm -hmm. you generate money by selling a product or service and you keep as much of that as possible right um to to grow your own net worth otherwise why do it um but having a starting point and saying let's say if you're the margin for your whole business is 10 percent, you say i want to grow from there maybe it's 20 percent. i want to grow from there right to 25 over the next I don't know, the next 12 months or whatever it might be. I think it's good to know where you're at now. A lot of clinicians are shocked with where they're at. Um, sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's not great news. And then we've got to make decisions from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you said that because it's not always bad news. Uh, I can't tell you how often we will do uh, something we call a catch up for our clients. So that means I don't have any bookkeeping in place today. So we go back to the beginning of the year or um, sometimes even the previous year, and we pull all that information into QuickBooks. And I swear when we get through those catch-up review calls, clients are like, oh, ooh, tell me how bad it is. And I can't tell you how often um, like we're celebrating, right? Because it's not as bad as we think. We tend to uh, think the worst in our minds and, and, it, and it, um, what we're yeah. seeing on paper is that we're actually much more profitable. And then yeah. uh, by having that history in QuickBooks, you know, we can have the baseline over time and look back from the start. Yeah. They're my favorite report to give clients, uh, two of them, uh, the profit and loss compared to prior year, and then the profit and loss by month for the last 12 months. Yeah, There's nothing more rewarding than being able to say, this is where you are today yeah. compared to where you were last year. I think that's a great one and one that a lot of people don't do. We do that for... Um, 
you know, I work with a marketing team, they're called WSI. Um, and we look at year over year growth. So this July compared to last July, um, our, our website traffic was up 400 and some percent, right? So massive gains. We're, our brains are always still focused though on the, the problems or what we don't have yet, right? Or of like, okay, but what about last week? Our traffic was down and this week, where is it, right? On those micro blips in the radar, kind of like watching the stock market go this and just having anxiety. Do that right now. <laughs> yeah, doing it right now. Uh, if you do that, you get too narrow, right? It's going to freak you out. Um, but it, it is important to zoom out there and look at those, look at those periods, you know, and, you know, maybe do some, some, some projecting while you're at it too, you know, um, and looking ahead at what kind of, if I continue on this percentage gain month over month, year over year, what kind of growth might I be looking at in this period? And then you can make business decisions from it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can use, uh, you know, even back in my corporate days, what we use to project the future and, and budget is looking at historical numbers. So you can learn from history and then use that his history to project the future. So what has your growth been month over month? I, I like quarter over quarter. Month over month, there could be too much fluctuation. So I like quarter over quarter or year over year. And then also don't forget, it's not just about your income, right? It's about our spending trends. We talked about the direct labor, but what are some of the other spending trends as we um, hire on additional team members? What are those trends in, yeah. in paying for their health insurance or 401k, um, onboarding, one-time costs, uh, creating mm -hmm. a culture for, for those therapists? So yeah. what other costs do you have? And watching those over time is really rewarding. I have, I have one mm -hmm. last number that mm -hmm. I really like to, to, to mention as we talk about like numbers to track. Uh, we do uh, a report and everybody can access this. I really, I, I, I want people to always walk away from, from listening with some action. So mm -hmm. you have a few re reports that already that you can be uh, pulling as you listen and some numbers you can be looking at. The other one is the percentage of income report in QuickBooks. It, it is a, a canned report, right? It's, it's available to everybody as long as your QuickBooks is updated mm -hmm. and accurate, right? So don't forget the accurate part. As long as it's updated and accurate, you can pull this report. And this is a really fun report. Have you ever ran it before? I don't think so. Okay. You're, you're in, you're yeah. in. Yeah. Well, I got weekend plans now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <gasps> I just filled your Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this report is really fun because it, it assigns what percentage of your revenue is going to each one of your expenses? So you can see it for your direct labor costs. How much of your revenue is going to direct labor? Yeah. Um, how much of your revenue is going to advertising and marketing? Mm -hmm. uh, how much of your revenue is going towards um, other payroll, officer payroll, um, subscriptions, insurance, all facility costs. That's mm -hmm. another big one for, for people who are still in person. Yeah. Uh, how much of your, your revenue is going to each of those categories? Now, your income statement uh, does need to be structured in a way that allows you to summarize. However, you can start to find where are the leaks, right? So if totally, we're not profitable totally. or we're yeah. not finding the profits that we want in our business, it can start to uh, leave some breadcrumbs. That's huge. I mean, and that's a great little hack for just pulling those numbers, seeing those percentages. And then again, you're just, you're, you're using this data to make decisions about your business. Um, otherwise it's quite random or quite emotional. I was talking with 
one of our business made human members this morning and she said, guys, I need some help figuring out how much to pay my clinicians. And she said, I just feel like it should be X, right? Or I heard that someone down the street is paying this. So I think I'm going to pay a little bit more or a little bit less, right? Or I heard that someone's paying 60%. So we're going to pay 60%, right? And we started to look at, you know, some of her actual numbers, take some of the feelings out of it. And what she found, which I think is common, is she was way overshooting it, right? And going to overcommit herself um, uh, if she didn't dig into these numbers more and look at, you know, how little profit she would have. Surprised to see that her profit per session would be like $10, you know, for, for group practice if she set it up this way. And then the question, I'm, I'm like, I'm agnostic about it, meaning I just want to bring that information to you as a coach and say, this, these are the numbers. It would be $10 per session that you'd be profiting. You're telling me you want to replace your income. You make 150 grand a year, right? Or let's say, let's say you make 100 grand a year, right? Okay, how many of those $10 sessions you know, need to happen for you to replace your income? And I let them make the decision, right? Because it's like, if you want to go with that, go with that. Of course, she didn't want to go with that. She was shocked and was like, I need to go back to the drawing board. Thank God we're doing this now, <laughs> you know, in our mastermind group and not six months from now when you go, oh, crap. I've overpaid people and I did, you know, re, uh, renegotiate that or whatever. It's a great, great way to piss people yeah. off. But, yeah. I think that's a good point though, that we have clients who will email us and say, Hey, can I afford to hire another individual or maybe expand to a second location, expand my off, whatever the question might be. I want to somebody recently that I just want to buy new lighting. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, right now it doesn't look like it would be the best time. Um, you know, and I, gave some numbers and some profitability where we were at year to date. And she responded back, perfect. I'm going to get the lights anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I said, that's fine, right? I, I'm not emotionally tied to it. I want you to be able to confidently make the decision. And exactly. I, you had all of the information. And yeah. I think that's what it is for, for business owners, for all of us, right? We are can all be very emotional people. And if we don't look at the data and the facts before we make decisions. She went into buying those lights confident that right, right now might, might not be the right time, but yeah. I believe in this, this decision and yeah. I want to make it right now. Totally. I, th I think also thinking about what's the bigger plan for my business, my life, how much money do I need? People's personal financial situations vary widely. You never know someone's sitting on a pile of money or whatever. And the business is just for fun. I don't know. I've, met people like that before. And then I met people that are like, if I don't make X amount of dollars a month, right, there's going to be major consequences for me and my family, right? And this house we live in or whatever it is, right? So a plan, you know, a financial plan really has to be holistic and centered around your life, your vision for your life, what you want um, has to be, it has to be informed, you know, um, going back to, you know, a group practice owner from group this morning, you know, we were looking at some, some metrics and my own, uh, accounting firm gives some, um, expenses by category, similar to what you're talking about. Um, and these ideal metrics for uh, like a medium sized group practice, say like five to 10 clinicians, um, those numbers just as a preview have, um, a profit slash owner's pay being at 20%. So that's, profit for the whole the whole business um uh, salaries and therapist pay at 55 percent um so that doesn't mean go pay your therapist 55 percent necessarily right there's a lot that goes into that um people underestimate taxes and you know what it costs to be an employer and have payroll taxes and everything that comes with that overhead 
um, overhead, rent, administrative pay, making up the rest of, of those percentages. But we look at that and said, okay, let's say if you do this well and you do have 20% profit for the practice, you have one clinician that's generating 100K of revenue a year. You're profiting the business and you, you know, you're, you're profiting 20K a year from that. And you want to replace your income that was 100K, right? That's five clinicians you know, um, uh, generating $500,000 a year, right? Mm -hmm. Really, really rough math, but just to paint that picture, right? To go, that's, that's a little bit about what it would take, you know, if you're telling me you want to do what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what's your reaction to that? I love the way um, you're backing into that. I think it's really important for us. We, we hear a lot, and I think that this is, we get stuck in a social media culture of, mm -hmm. of, I want to hit X figures, right? And just celebrating that without understanding what does that actually mean for me? So I love the way that you've backed into that. What do I need to make? And and thinking about um, you know, your personal goals as well. So what 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 do you need for your own personal wealth journey? And that doesn't mm -hmm. mean just because you don't need your income that you don't have your own wealth goals and, and your own wealth journey. So thinking about what you need personally and then using all the other financial information to back into that. Now, imagine if you didn't know your numbers yeah, right? or if you didn't have an accounting system set up or um, accurate and on time bookkeeping and information to be able to, to get you there. Yeah. Uh, you're so lost in, in the dark. So um, I love I love the idea of having that information and then being able to back into it. Yeah. I was pretty um, pleased with myself. Yeah. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> um, as my mom would say, tickled with myself. Um, uh, some other jumping off questions, which I think this is another interesting one. And obviously my mind is on my, like my fitness coach right now, which is quite new, but a quite like daily relationship. Um, and it's a relationship of accountability, right? Every time I eat something, I log it in this stupid little app and then he's going to see that, right? So it's like, I have to oh, think about these things. That's and that true accountability. accountability. Okay. It is. And I've never had that, but it gives me that immediate sense of like, again, like you were saying that informed decision of if I eat this, I'm going to log it. He's going to see it. And then we're going to talk about it. He's not going to punish me. I'm not a child, you know, but it's like, that's a decision I'll make. And then we're going to track that. It's like, you can't, you can only change what you can track, right? Or what you track. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of parallels there. Um, but this question of how your bookkeeper or and or accounting firm can act as an accountability partner. So I'm really curious, like how you think about that and what that relationship for you and your clients look like. Because I think tons of business owners don't know what to get out of that relationship. They're like, yeah, I just see them at the end of the year. I owe a whole bunch of money that freaks me out and makes me upset. And then I see them again in a year. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm ashamed for my industry because uh, I hear it <laughs> too often uh, that you know, uh, accountants, even if they are doing some form of, form of bookkeeping throughout the year, they're generally not providing it to their, their clients. Totally. Right. It's very and minimal. Yeah. It is very minimal. I mean, I even hear people say they don't like, I can't even get an answer from my, from my account. Here's what I'll say is that to keep in mind that your tax accountant went to school to be a tax accountant Yeah, and their job is to file your year end tax return. They didn't go to school for business. They're trying to run a business just like you are. Yeah. So if you're not working with somebody who has business experience and um, the, the knowledge to be able to set up your QuickBooks and, and deliver those types of reports, um, 
Unfortunately, those individuals are doing what they're trained for, right? To provide mm -hmm. a year-end tax return. And that might be okay. I, I do believe in having a money team. I think we need three individuals on our money team. Uh, we need a bookkeeper, we need a financial planner, and we need a tax accountant. And our tax accountant, their, their strategy, their place in our business is for maybe maybe a quarterly check-in once or twice a year for some tax planning, understanding of where you're at. Are you taking enough in owner draws versus salary if you're an S-corp? Um, having that those those check-ins throughout the year and then filing the, the tax return. Your financial advisor, financial planner, they're the ones helping you um, pull together both your business and your and your personal uh, wealth and, and where you want to see yourself going from, from a wealth perspective. Your bookkeeper is the one who's guiding you throughout the year. And this is really the individual that you want to have business experience so that they can help you one, set, create the foundation. So making sure that your QuickBooks, your income statement, everything is set up correctly. When we work with our clients, we use a strategic framework that we've created because I always snap my fingers when we do this. I want, I want people mm -hmm. to be able to quickly see their numbers. Running a business is hard. We have so much to do. Looking at our numbers cannot be one of those things that take, take forever. We have to be able exactly. to quickly understand the information. So so your bookkeeper is is keeping track of the information throughout the month, and then they really serve as your accountability partner. But without you having to lift a finger, without you having to do anything, they're showing up in your in your inbox with a set of financial statements. And I'll just I'll tell you what we send send our send our clients. Um, we had talked about a few versions of the P and L already, but all of our clients receive their balance sheet, a cash flow statement, and then their P and L compared to prior year. Mm -hmm. PL by month for the last 12 months, and then the PL with the percentages of revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, I can tell you that probably, in all fairness, maybe about 75% of our clients don't even open the, the yeah. financial statements, right? They don't look at the Excel file. So it's really important to, to, when we work with our clients, we send them all a summary of the financial information. So you get to, as a business owner, stay really high level. Mm -hmm. You get that summary information. You get to stay as the CEO, look at it and say, what do I need to pull from this? And we try to really interpret that for you. What can you pull for that, from this? So if you're not receiving any of those pieces from, from your money team, uh, it's important to ask for it because I've heard from from people throughout the years that said, I just never asked for it. Um, yeah. We deliver it no matter what. It's part of our brand guarantee. However, we've spent eight years, you know, refining that process. And so if you're working with somebody who, who doesn't have that process in place, uh, asking the questions and asking for that information. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really great stuff. I think the interpretation is where I see a lot of the heavy lifting happens in analyzing what these numbers mean, right? If I get my blood work back and the laboratory person is like, I just, I pull the blood, I process it through the machine or someone processes it through the machine. And then it's like, I need someone, maybe my doctor to help me make sense of what these numbers mean, mm -hmm. right? Here's what they mean. Here's, here are normal benchmarks for you or a person your age and height and weight and all these things. Here's adjustments you can make based on these numbers to get them to where we want to be. Right. And then someone, you know, helps coach you to get there. Right. It's, it can be a process like that if it's more involved. So I do think it's important to 
I mean, my thing is I spend a lot of money on my money, basically, to your point of having a financial team, both yeah. the business side and personal, um, because I want to sleep better at night, right? And it'll always be a struggle for me and always a, a part of business that doesn't come as naturally as marketing or writing copy or being creative, right? Or coaching people, like those things that are in my zone of genius, right? So I need those people to help me to inform uh, my decision-making. The same way that, again, going back to, to your world and where you came from, I think of a lot of my business decisions as if I were a big company, right? Mm -hmm. My wife works at a company with 5,000 employees, and I don't think her CEO, you know, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey d does their own books, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> no, I, not. but he has people, right, that are coming or a CFO that comes and says, here's what's happening, you know, with, with, with our money. And they have conversations that help Jack make decisions about business, right? In some collaborative fashion, some teamwork fashion. And I think about that too, right? Um, so surrounding yourself with some experts that know more about different parts of your business than you. And ultimately you are still that CEO that's going to make those decisions or you're going to buy the damn lights because you want to, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's your prerogative, right? Yeah. You're, you're steering the ship ultimately and it's your responsibility, but having the right information, the right guidance, the right advice, I think is a big part of it. Um, yeah. All in an ideal world, you know, to your point, it's, it's interesting because I've been through way more bookkeepers and accounts than I would like, right? It's really, uh, I'm not surprised rough. though. <laughs> and it's also a big opportunity for you guys to have yeah. a better delivery and, and to to be like teachers for us and to show us what we need, show us those three roles and how, how each one is different and how we're going to play this and why it's important to have a, a quarterly meeting and to, you know, email me when it's time for a quarterly meeting and, and things like that. So kind of showing clients how to be good clients too. And, and, um, strengthen everything. So yeah, the, yeah, those were some really good examples. If I could just touch on them. Um, that's exactly how we created this framework was I was the CFO for some larger companies. And what I realized when I came into the entrepreneurship world, I'm like, why are these, why are decisions so much harder here? Right? Why are they so that's much a good harder? Question. Right? And I was thinking back to my days as a CFO. And I said, Oh, I can see a very clear difference. What my CEO and the board of directors and the investors, what they had was a CFO, right? They had me saying, yeah. here are all the numbers. And they, I was doing it on a regular basis and they were able to make really quick, easy decisions. And I said, that's what entrepreneurs are missing. They're missing the information on exactly. a regular basis, holding you accountable to looking at them. Yeah, that's well said. <clears throat> Speaking of well said, which is not a good transition. Uh, I want to take a second to, to thank our sponsor for today, and that's Jane. Um, uh, some things in clinic life just happen. Another no-show from no-show Shauna. Last-minute cancellations you can't afford and not enough time in the day to do all your therapy notes. Fortunately, when life gives you lemons, Jane makes lemonade. Who wrote this copy? Um, Jane is a practice management software designed to make your day-to-day -day easier. Ask your clients who no-show frequently to save a credit card on file, set up automatic waitlist notifications to fill your schedule from cancellations, and take advantage of Jane's mental health-specific charting templates to get a head start on your notes. Learn more by heading to jane.app forward slash mental health and book a one-on-one -on -one demo. You can also mention me, John Clark, uh, that I sent you during your sign-up to receive a one-month grace period applied to your account. So again, that's jane.app forward slash 
mental health link in the description and thanks again to jane for um, sponsoring this and writing some really fancy copy back to the show um how's that for an ad read that's probably the best I've ever that, done was, that. that was awesome that was I should do it again just you know victory lap um <laughs> we've got maybe a few minutes left so again if anyone here has questions it's funny because there's a bunch of people here and they're all uh well, they're just being like those quiet students that don't want to raise their hand or don't want to make eye contact, which is oh, how I was this morning. Answer, come forward. When yeah. I did the financial literacy talk and they just looked and I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to start calling on people. Are you guys stunned? Are you shut down? Do you already got this? Is this easy for you? Right? It's like, what am I not getting? They just all have their therapist poker faces on like. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. Like, <laughs> monies are right. Right. Again, I had no idea. And what I've what I've learned throughout the years is you're not the only one that thinks this is hard. Um, it you know uh, most entrepreneurs are creative, or you went to school to be a therapist, right? You didn't learn the business side. You didn't learn accounting. You didn't learn that there's such a thing as money mindset. And that's why we uh, approach our clients and every conversation that I have on a on a podcast on a show with with fellow colleagues and entrepreneurs, there's no judgment, right? Because we all have money mindset. I don't even want to call them issues, money mindset hurdles that we need to uh, conquer and overcome. So you're not the only one thinking of the, of the questions. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Um, I guess what else do you feel like is missing from the, uh, the conversation? My apologies. I was distracted by Slack message um, okay. and a lifelong of ADHD. Um, I'm with you. I have to close all other tabs. Yeah. With you. <laughs> yeah. The tabs is a thing. It's like it's a, it's I have thing. gotten better at that. It's my pet peeve because some people that have 47 tabs open, um, I just want to compulsively close all those for them. And be no, like, I'm not going to. Go back. I close them matter. and then I'm like, you needed them. It was keeping track of that task you were going to go back to. Never. Yeah. Using it as a task management software yeah. instead of like a to do list. Well, I, uh, my whole we're team likes several screens and I appreciate that. I know that they, it really yeah. wasn't get their work done. I cannot, I can only have one screen because if I have email popping up over there and I, I will be distracted all day and, and oh, yeah. I, need, I need to be in the zone, f focused work when I'm working. So. Yeah, I have two screens at home and I actually like it because, uh, you know, it's like spreading out on your desk. If you have like a, work, a document here and your spreadsheet here, you can do it in a focused way, but it could also just be chaos or you could play video games on it. Um, got a couple questions here now that we're about to run out of time. Uh, let's pull these up. Um, Ryan Ferguson is asking, how do you figure out if you're actually making money or not in a group practice? How many hours do you need employees to work to get benefits, et cetera? Uh, I might table the second question. That's a big, hairy one that would require a lot of specifics. But let's go with this first one. How do you figure out if you're actually making money or not in a group practice, assuming you're the group practice owner? Yeah, I think yeah, we talked about the net income or one that's going to um, – that's going to show you if you're actually bringing actually profitable. Um, one of the issues that I have with uh, just looking at the net income or net loss on your profit loss statement is if you are an LLC and you are still taking owner's draw or you're an S corp and you're taking payroll and still taking owner's draws. Uh, what we do for a lot of our clients who are really focused on profitability we will actually do a, a secondary report for them where we pull their net profit or loss mm -hmm. and then take their owner's draws 
um, on top of that. So, so minus your owner's draws to see after you pay yourself, what is your profitability? And we don't want to just break even. Um, I I like the metrics of, um, 5% profit is your new break even, uh, 10% is really actually a healthy business and anything that's 15 and over, you have profits to start reinvesting in your business and growing. That's a, that's a handy little, you know, uh, kind of back of the napkin, uh, you know, math, whatever, just some targets. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just starting with where you're at, right. And looking at if you're running a group practice right now and you're not making money, meaning you don't have net profit owners pay, um, then what's happening there, right? You're not generating enough and you're spending too much, probably both, right? How do you fix that? Well, you generate more while spending less or at least controlling your expenses. That's how you create margin. It's the gap between two numbers, right? You want to grow your business. How do you do that? Especially in group practice. Well, um, there's only a few ways to grow your business. We're selling a service. We need to sell more of that service. How do you do it? You One option is hire more clinicians. That's how most people do it. Another way is to have new verticals, You know, better leveraged verticals, right? So go from one-on-one therapy to group therapy. All of a sudden you're generating you know, from $100 per hour and then you have a clinician generate $800 an hour or in a clinical hour. Intensives, workshops, a couple's retreat, whatever it is, high ticket you know, programs within your practice, things like that. So there's a lot of ways to, to do it. Um, and we just want to be thinking about um, always protecting the bottom line. I mean, it's just yeah. as simple as that. That's your yeah. main responsibility as CEO, as a business owner, right? Is to keep the business viable so you and your family and your employees and their families can get fed and pay. And there's nothing slimy about there's that. There's nothing wrong with primary that. primary responsibility. So, yeah. And that can feel really big. I love all the ideas that, that you gave. Um, I, I've been working on um, uh, with a lot of our clients on the power of 1%. And it's a really simple tool. If raising your prices feels like I can't raise my prices right now, I it's usually in your head on why you can't. However, can you do it by 1%? And cutting your expenses, maybe right now you feel like you need every single expense in your business. Grade yeah. them. Like literally grade every expense you have, A, B, or C. Yeah. And decrease your expenses by 1%. Pay yourself 1% more, right? So when these big, when these things feel really big, like you don't know where to start, you can start by making changes of 1% yeah. and watch how they add up. I love it, right? And it's kind of like getting 1% better each day and anything, again, whether it's my fitness goals or, you know, I do martial arts, I do surfing, things like that. And um, looking for that incremental gain, I think is important. Um, and if you are in a hole financially, how are you going to dig yourself out? Those, those, those baby steps, those 1% gains. Um, going back to Kobe, I think a lot of athletes think of themselves in this way, right? People think that mm-hmm. Kobe just became Kobe overnight, but some you know, combination of natural ability and also insane amounts of work and being in the nitty gritty and iterations, right? The Steph Curry's of the world. How many times has he made that that shot you know, in practice until he's yeah. made it on the focus court? On the, so. Focusing on the basics, yeah. Exactly. And therapists like, well, you know why I'm not good at this. I'm not good with math numbers. I'm not good with money. Well, there's a belief system there, but there's also like, how do you get good at basketball? You play more basketball. It's like, of course you're not good at basketball because you don't play much. You only look at your PL, you know, every three months when someone forces you to, or when there's a crisis, like, of course you're not good with money. 
<laughs> you know, it's like you're not practicing with money. And I think it can be an excuse learning. too, right? 100%. Like, you know, how we, we use excuses for everything. I don't have enough time to work out. I don't have yeah. enough time to go to the grocery store and eat healthy. I don't have yeah. enough time to look at my numbers. I'm not a numbers person. So when you hear yourself saying those things, um, catch yourself, right? Maybe just maybe mm-hmm. what maybe the one action tip you get from today is catching yourself. I'm not a numbers person. Well, hold yeah. on. Maybe I just need to work on becoming a numbers person and I need to get the right people around me to help me understand totally. the numbers so they don't feel so big. Just like you hired somebody to help you watch your nutrition and your fitness, yeah. you got the help that you needed so that you didn't have to be an expertise in that area. It takes the mental load off, right? Because then it's just about doing putting together a plan with him and then doing what he says, right? And if you can't follow that plan, then it's on me, right? Then I'm, you know, it's like, he can't make me be a good client. He can't make me eat what's on the plan. So yeah. Um, do, do, do. One more question maybe uh, before we wrap up here. Um, uh, well, Joshua is saying just a comment here, newly licensed social worker here. I highly value a business degree. Um, for future thoughts on private practice and other entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah. A business degree wouldn't hurt. I'm, you know, I always think about that from time to time. What if I got like an MBA or something, how that would advance my, yeah, maybe another day, but yeah, another day. I I mean, there's, there's a lot there, you know, there's, I, I, my daughter's 17 and she's looking Mm -hmm. at colleges right now. And it's really hard because I want to encourage her to go to college. However, I think there's so much available for us to learn. Oh yeah. Online today. So do you need a business to like, I, I can promise you the the clients that we have who have an MBA, they're not coming to us saying, I don't need you. I, I got oh, QuickBooks. I understand my numbers. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it just shows you how much is like in the psychology and the discipline of being a business owner. Cause you could learn for three years, the, the, the academic side of business and how these numbers add up and how a product is designed. And then, um, you know, you have to bring it, to life in your business okay. and be disciplined. Um, uh, Nathaniel asks, should you be at a cert- certain place financially before moving from solo practice to group practice? I don't think there's a number for it, right? Uh, we've, we've seen clients um, move relatively quickly. Uh, I think it's more about where you want to be as a business owner. So do you want, do you want to manage other people? Do you want to be managing a practice or do you want to be managing yourself and your own time? So I think if you're ready to be a leader and be able to have the systems um, and the back end of your business set up in order to hire a group, uh, you know, hire in other therapists, I think that's the biggest thing is you have to be ready by having your back end put together. You cannot hire people. And not know your numbers. That's well said. Um, you know, I, I agree from a coaching perspective with everything Danielle just said. I think she nailed it. A lot of it is that identity, becoming a leader, a manager. You're really running a business now, and not not that a solo practice isn't a business, but it's a next step up, right? In terms of managing people and payroll and compliance and feedback cycles and hard conversations and all that, right? You're becoming a manager. Whole new world from being a therapist and being a solo practitioner, right? When the only person you have to answer to there is your clients. Um, from a financial perspective, what I would do is run the worst and best case scenario. Am I financially ready? Well, let's say in six or twelve months, best case scenario is that the that my group practice is generating this much, I'm profiting this much, and 
I'm using the money in my life, you know, in this way. Worst case scenario is I hire these people, can't fill them up. It's costing me money. I just took on five grand a month in overhead and I'm drowning and I'm on a three-year lease and I, and I hate group practice. Then what would you do? You know, I, I have a client who's, who's in a bit of a hole right now in a similar situation, took on a big lease that's lasting for the next five years, doesn't want to be a group practice owner, right? So you've taken on a big liability, to use another finance term, right? And now you can't grow fast enough and it puts us on due pressure. So it's like, could go really well, could go really poorly. I run both of those scenarios in my mind when I'm making a decision like this. It'll probably end up somewhere in the middle, but I'm fairly risk averse about some things like this right like taking on too much overhead like hiring a bunch of people if i don't know if i can fill them or if i don't really want to be a group practice owner whatever it is so yeah can you grow slowly yeah. uh we have a client exactly. recently that we worked with who she knew she needed to grow slowly she wanted to um and she was luckily in an office space where she could do that um and and see what she enjoyed about it what yeah. she did enjoy really master her skill set as a as a leader and then grow slowly so that might be another another option as well another action-packed episode with danielle yeah. danielle thank you for doing this again and we're gonna have to do the three-peat it's gonna I know. Have to happen i'm here for it um, so let me know it's, it's a juicy topic for therapists so and i hope that you get some business from this episode. Speaking of which, let people know exactly you know how to find out more about you and then how to get started and work with you and your team. Yeah, kickstartedcountyinc.com is the, our website. Uh, if you have any questions or want to talk about your specific situation, uh, you can book a call and talk to the team and I directly. Uh, we have our podcast, Entrepreneur Money Story. So if you really enjoy this topic and want to dig into more, uh, you know, more, action tips and money mindset. It's entrepreneur money stories where all podcasts are. Excellent. Thank you again for being here. Um, that's Danielle Hayden, everybody. Um, uh, again, one last call to action on my end. We're about to open the doors for Business Made Human. It's our six-month mastermind program, helping you create a plan and a, and a vision for your business and your life. And then we're going to help you execute and make that, that happen. This semester, there's actually going to be a particular focus on finance and HR. So it's going to be a big one and solving, you know, really hitting on a lot of the pain points of therapists in these areas. So for both solo owners and group owners. So um, if you want to learn more, privatepracticeworkshop.com. So thanks again for being here. Thank you to our sponsor, Jane. That's jane.app forward slash mental health. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks. See you soon.